your Locked On Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into a crossover edition of Locked On Wild and Locked On Blackhawks. Seth Topal joined by the host of Locked On Blackhawks, Jack Bushman. And on today's episode of Locked On Wild, we're going to take a look at how the Blackhawks did this season. We'll also do the same for the Wild, and we'll look at some off-season objectives for both teams, trying to get ourselves more familiar with the uh, the regular Central Division opponents now that things are going back that way uh, coming up here next season. Before we get there, though, today's episode brought to you by Locked On NHL, our daily podcast on everything happening in the NHL. You can subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps happening every day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get podcasts. Jack, my man, how's it going? It's been a busy day, Seth. Can't lie to you. I've had uh, numerous conversations because the Blackhawks find themselves in the middle of an absolute nightmare. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's been good. Can't complain. Got a good uh, game one of the Stanley Cup final night. Sat back, had a couple beers and watched. So no complaints on my end. Excellent. Now, you mentioned the the whirlwind going on, and I, I don't want to hang on that um, for too long. But just to kind of catch Wild fans up, I mean, I'm sure there are people like me who are so focused on what was going on in the West Division that you know we, we completely forget. And like that was how I set up our crossover was we went an entire hockey season without there being any sort of wild Blackhawks discussion, which just seems just seems wrong. And so we're trying to bring that back. But yeah, as you mentioned, some controversy with the Blackhawks. Just get us up to speed on uh, what all has been going on. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start. Uh, well, I guess it all began on May 12th. A report came out from WBEZ that a lawsuit had been filed against the Chicago Blackhawks by uh, a player on their 2010 Stanley Cup team saying that he had been sexually harassed and assaulted by uh, a member of the coaching staff who we found out to be in the past couple of weeks. It was Blackhawks video coach, Brad Aldrich. And the Blackhawks organization found out about this incident in 2010 before the Hawks went on to face the San Jose Sharks in the Western Conference final. Uh, Players on the team knew about it. Even players on the Philadelphia Flyers knew about it. Daniel Carcillo, who a former Blackhawk himself, but in 2010, he was a member of the Philadelphia Flyers and he said he heard about it. So everyone kind of knew about this situation and the Blackhawks swept it under the rug, basically tried to act like it didn't happen didn't file a police report, instead turned it around on the player, kind of made it seem like it was his fault, which is just so wrong in so many different ways. And basically what we found out the last couple of weeks is that uh, a billion-dollar professional sports organization has been having a huge sexual assault cover-up for the last 10 years, and it's all becoming made public. And another reason why, I mean, it's a tough thing to talk about, but one reason why I do want to mention it to Wild fans is because the media coverage about the situation has not been very good, Seth. Yeah. Like, for example, I was downtown with two of my buddies this weekend, both from Chicago. One of them's a pretty big hockey fan, the other not so much. But both are present on social media. They have Snapchat. They have Twitter. They have Instagram. They have Facebook. They're on it every day. Neither of them 
knew one thing about this situation. Wow. And yeah, so it's a, it's a nightmare on many different levels, not only the Blackhawks covering it up, but the NHL hasn't really done anything about it. Shocker, the NHL media is focusing on other things. Um, and also another bad part of the situation, the Blackhawks, by not filing a police report, they just fired Aldrich, didn't just basically let him go and, and didn't put anything on his record or make uh, make it warn to other higher, uh, other employment opportunities that this guy has done some sketchy things in the past. And then he went on to work in a high school in Michigan and went on to sexually assault a 16 year old three years later. <sighs> so yeah, it, it's a really, if, if I'm Stan Bowman and the front office officials for the Blackhawks, I, I don't know how I can look, look, how, how do they look themselves in the mirror every morning, knowing that by not doing anything and trying to turn it around on this player, uh, they let Brad Aldrich go out into the world and do this to another person. And it, it's the whole front office has to go. I mean, everyone in Chicago is calling for it. Stan Bowman, not only is he the general manager of the Blackhawks still, he's been the general manager for the last 10 years, but this past season, they actually um, gave him a promotion. He became the senior uh, the, or the president of all hockey operations. And he's also the general manager of team USA, Seth. So um, not a good look here for the Blackhawks. They absolutely handled it so poorly. Uh, they also, re- after that first May state or that report came out in May by WBEZ that a lawsuit was happening, the Blackhawks also in their first statement said they questioned the legitimacy of this of this lawsuit. So yeah, it, it's bad on as many ways as you think it could be. It, it was seriously the past week, Seth, it's been every day I wake up, it somehow got worse. Oh, that boy. it's a it's a nightmare situation, man. Well, we'll obviously find out more because as these things typically do, there will be more and more and more that happens with it. And so that uh that I think is enough to to give wild fans a little bit of a uh little bit of a look as to what has been going on with uh, with this whole situation and that's uh, that's pretty much where we'll leave it uh next up we will move to just looking at how things went for the Blackhawks this past season some names that wild fans are familiar with but also some new names that uh, that did some pretty good things that is next here on our locked on wild locked on Blackhawks crossover today's episode is brought to you by rock auto With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And why wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet. So head to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All at rockauto.com. Continuing our Locked On Wild, Locked On Blackhawks crossover with Jack Bushman, the host of Locked On Blackhawks. And Jack, let's get into the season for Chicago. 
Some names that Wild fans are familiar with, of course, uh, Patty Kane doing uh, Patty Kane things uh, pretty much all season. But uh, plenty of new names, as it seems like, at least from my perspective, that uh, the Blackhawks are, are trying to get a little younger. And so that had some uh, mixed results this year, I'm sure. Just just take us through the uh, the season for Chicago, which saw some ups, some downs, and uh, I'm sure plenty of things to uh, to take note of. Yeah, it really was kind of a roller coaster season. The Blackhawks got off to this unexpected start where through the first 30 games or so, they found themselves in a playoff spot. Uh, but a lot of that had to do with, A, their power play was ridiculous. They were converting at like a 32% clip for, through the first two months. They just went on a tear to start the year. That obviously is not sustainable unless you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and just have superstars all over the place, right. but we're not. <laughs> uh, and then we also got some insane goaltending by one of those rookies uh, that I need to mention. Kevin Lankinen was outstanding for the Blackhawks this season. Did fade a little bit towards the end, but you know, a, a rookie goaltender in his first NHL grind, it's not all that surprising. But in my opinion, he was probably the rookie of the year for the Blackhawks. I, I thought night in and night out, not only did he play tremendously as a rookie, but he really impressed me with just his, his demeanor and his confidence. And he has all those like off the ice things that you're like, that that acts like a number one <laughs> goaltender. Like he just has that collectiveness and he's calm, win or loss, same same demeanor in the locker room. He's never too high after wins, never too low after losses. He understands that every game's different and, you know, some things are going to happen some nights and, and some nights um, you're, you're going to be uh, at your best, some nights you're not, basically. But overall on the season, Kevin Lankinen, through the halfway point of the year, he might have been the call the, the call their trophy favorite. Obviously, the second half, uh, that was a little bit different, as you know best. Yep. Um, but he was off to an incredible start through that first half and that really – I think carried the Blackhawks because as we saw in the second half of the season, when they didn't get the same level of goaltending, those defensive holes and blunders, they became more apparent. And that that's really what cost this team. But overall, as a whole, I, I can't be too mad just because there were so many kids in and out of the lineup. There was no way to expect this team to, to be a playoff contender when it was all said and done. I think we had 11 or 12 guys make their NHL debut this season. And a lot wow. of them were on the back end. So um, it, it was an up and down year, but that's kind of what happens when you have those youngsters in the lineup. But a lot of them, I, I do believe have some bright futures and we saw them hopefully just kind of step onto the scene. As I said, Kevin Lankin and uh, Brandon Hagel was a real big surprise for the Blackhawks. Many fans around the NHL probably don't even know who Brandon Hagel is, but he, he could be a, a sneaky up and comer for this team. He kind of has that uh, Andrew Shaw factor where he has a little bit of everything in him. And another guy that stood out to me was uh, Pia Suter, who came in and really played top line center minutes for the Blackhawks this season because they were without Jonathan Taze. They're without Kirby Doc. He broke his wrist, unfortunately, at the World Juniors. So we were down our top six centers right off the bat and basically had to play a first-year player with Patrick Kane for the entire season. And I thought, for for the most part, he, he did that job well. Face-offs, not so much, but that's also something that tends to happen with the first-year players. So really what it's about for the Blackhawks this season was just getting some guys some opportunities, figuring out what pieces of the puzzle they already have and what pieces of the puzzle they still kind of got to go out and get. You know, you can only have so much – with your homegrown prospects, but you're going to need to make a splash to complete your team. And I think the Blackhawks are trying to figure out 
which kind which splash is gonna bring them up the most and I think they found out that they really need a number one defenseman so even though you know it, it didn't wind up being uh it was another year where the Blackhawks missed out on the playoffs I still think what in looking in terms of the rebuild we found out a lot we've we figured out a lot about ourselves this season sure. and I think that's going to go a long way in uh now dictating these next two years kind of okay what do we need still and who do we know is going to be a piece potentially when this team or if this team can become very good again. Obviously we've got the three big bullet points for the off season, the expansion draft. Well, unless you're Vegas, um, the NHL draft and free agency as well. Um, I've been trying to wrap my head almost daily around what's going to happen with the expansion draft because I'm still of the belief that uh, a lot of GMs are going to try to make something happen before the expansion draft just so that they don't leave things up to chance and rightfully so um, in looking at the expansion draft, have you narrowed in on anybody that you would be okay with the Blackhawks losing, or do you have anybody that you think Seattle may be inclined to pick? The interesting thing for the Blackhawks, I think is going to come down to what they're going to do with their defense, because we're probably going to go the seven, three, one route. That just makes the most sense for this team. I'm not really concerned about the forwards. Um, we may lose a bottom six guy, but that's that's not worst case scenario. It's going to come down to the defense, I think, for the Blackhawks. And I do think at the end of the day, the Kraken are going to take one of our defensemen. So one spot has to go to Duncan Keith. He has a full no movement clause. Have to protect him. The second for sure is going to Connor Murphy, who's been, in my opinion, our best best defenseman the last two years. The third spot is where it's the question mark because – Nikita Zadorov, who we acquired for Brandon Saad last offseason trade, just didn't look very good for Chicago this year. Big Z, they were hoping he was going to step in and play top four minutes on the left side next to one of our young defensemen. And he was just really anything but reliable in his own zone. He was a turnover junkie. He can hit and he can protect the net well, but anytime the puck hits his stick, it's a disaster. Ooh. And the Blackhawks kind of got to figure out what they're going to do with him because he's also due for – uh, he's trying to get a raise at least he's, uh, an RFA this summer. So that kind of hearing that he's asking for a raise and he's going to, he's trying to ask for about five and a half million dollars, which after what I saw this year, there's no way in hell the Blackhawks should give him that number. I think they're probably going to leave Nikita Zadorov. They're not going to protect him. And I think they're going to protect instead one of the young defensemen they just acquired from the Florida Panthers at the trade deadline this year, Riley Stillman, who kind of plays a similar game that Zadorov does. He's got some size, more of a defensive defenseman, good as zone zone, not going to do much offensively, but that's not why he's there. So because those two are so similar and the Blackhawks just went out and traded for Riley Stillman, I think they might leave Nikita Zadorov un unprotected when it comes to the Seattle expansion draft. And then uh, Seattle's if they do want, want a defenseman, they're going to have a choice between Nikita Zadorov and, and Calvin DeHaan, although I do think they're they're probably more inclined to go with Zadorov just because he's younger, less injury-prone. Um, I think Nikita Zadorov might be, might be the odd man out here in Chicago as I've been looking at it the last couple of weeks, Seth. Okay. Um, just quickly before we finish up by letting you ask me uh, some wild stuff for your audience, um, for agency in the drafts, any any spot really in particular that you've zeroed in on that you'd like to see this team really improve? 
Uh, the, sec- the secret's out. We need a number one defenseman. I think that's the biggest need for the Blackhawks right now. Uh, I talked about Connor Murphy a moment ago. He's, in my opinion, been our best defenseman the last two years. Still probably closer to a number two or a really good number three. If you look at teams that win the Stanley Cup, you got depth and size on defense. And Connor Murphy might be even closer to a number three than he is a number two. Duncan Keith's not getting any younger. Uh, he's going to be 38 this season. He He's led the Blackhawks in time on ice in all 16 years he's been here. Rookie season, let him in time on ice. Last wow. year, let him on time on ice. That trend has to end if the Blackhawks want to go in a different direction in this rebuild. So that's that's the biggest need, I, I believe, is we got to figure out – the problem is we've we've invested a lot in drafting these defensemen, but none of them really look like they could be number one guys. They're not that staple on defense either or, or – you know, better at their offensive game and just not that reliable number one that you kind of need to win in the playoffs. So I've been kind of interested to see the talk with Dougie Hamilton and Seth Jones. Um, I don't know if that's where the Blackhawks are going to go. And I don't even know if, uh, well, I guess for Dougie Hamilton, he would be a free agent. Seth Jones would have to be traded. But even then, if the Blackhawks were to trade for Seth Jones, he'd probably have to sign on a contract. And knowing what we know about the Blackhawks organization right now, I don't know if either of them want to go that route. So, um, it may be a little wishful to be talking about those guys, but it's still clear that this team needs a number one defenseman. And uh, if they don't get it this offseason, they're going to have to get it real soon. Well, tell you what, let's uh, let's finish up here today by letting you ask me some wild questions. I'm, of course, an open book. And so uh, we'll finish up our Locked on Wild, Locked on Blackhawks crossover next. It's time to take your sports betting to the next level with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Major League Baseball is reaching the halfway point. The Stanley Cup final is underway. The conference finals in the NBA are ongoing. Plus, you've got the PGA Tour, UFC, MMA, all your favorite action. You name it, you can place your bets on it. So before the next pitch, before the opening face-off, the opening tip... The opening tea time, whatever it may be, head to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines for even another second. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the championship. So head to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Final segment of our Locked On Wild, Locked On Blackhawks crossover. Seth Topol joined by Jack Bushman, the host of Locked On Blackhawks. And Jack, as I promised, I'm going to let you now ask some wild related questions uh, for your audience. Um, open book, whatever, uh, whatever you want to know about this year's wild team and beyond. Uh, hit me with it. Yeah, so as you touched on earlier, the first thing I wanted to talk about um, with the Blackhawks and Wild not being in the same division, it was just kind of strange to not really have any updates about what was going on other than the standings and looking at the final score on the NHL app, you know. Um, And what made it tough was with the Wild being in the West, I don't think a lot of Chicago people watched a lot of Minnesota Wild games this season because they just started so late. So really what I wanted to know is – um, every time I went on Twitter and I saw anything about the Minnesota Wild, it was about Kirill Kaprizov. 
and him just going bananas. And I saw a ton of his highlights and I know it was really his show in Minnesota this season, but what was, it couldn't have just been all him. Like what was really the key to Minnesota kind of surprising everyone and uh, getting a, a, having a really successful season out in a a tougher top heavy uh, Western division. Like who else played well besides him? Well, that's, it's a great question first off, and I'll start with a spot that I think was the biggest weakness other than scoring for this team heading into this past season, and that was goaltending. We got to go through an entire season of Alex Stalock and Devin Dubnik, and it was statistically one of the worst goalie combos in the entire NHL, and somehow they still found a way to win in the uh, the play-in round and get to the actual... Um, Expanded playoffs last year, despite Devin Dubnik doing his best to make sure that that didn't happen. (laughs) So they go out and they get Cam Talbot. And people coming into the season were like, okay, there are better options out there. And Talbot was the first one to sign. And I myself was a little skeptical as to the fit. But somehow... Bill Guerin pointed uh, or identified some areas in Talbot's game that this wild defense could mask or could help him with. And you look at Talbot, you look at Capo Kakinen, immeasurably better than what we got uh, in the crease last year. And so that was a huge reason as to why this team um, did as well as they did. I mean, that was a reason that this uh, Vegas playoff series went to seven games is because Talbot stole three of them himself. And that's just not something that this team has had. It's always felt like if they can get average goaltending, that they can be a really good team. And they got, you know, they were within the top half of the league in goaltending this past year. And so that was a huge portion as to why um, this team did as well as they did. But then they found balance on offense too. So you had Kirill Kaprizov, who obviously injected life into this offense as a guy that could take over a game and could win one when nobody else is really doing anything. But you had Jewel Erickson go nuts and add offense to his game. Kevin Fiala, despite really not having two other good players on his line the entire season. He's sick. He's sick. He, yeah. He just went nuts. And honestly, like I'm toying with the idea and I think it's something that I really want to see happen of him and Kaprizov being put on the same line with a really good center and just just make people sweat it out. But we'll we'll see if that happens. But Fiala was good. Erickson Eck was great. You had guys on the fourth line that were contributing all season. Nico Sturm, one of my favorite players, um, had just an amazing year. And it just, anytime it seemed like they were out of a game, um, the Vegas game at the end of the season that they won six to five in regulation is a great example. They were down by one within like they were down by one. And I think there were two minutes left in the game and Kaprizov gets the game tying and the game winning goal in a span of like 30 seconds. And they just, they go from this team that is just so grit and grind. And so let's win two to one to a team that, Hey, we can win six to five. We can win seven to four. And it just, it was so refreshing because I, 
of the offense and the defensive side of things. People who love to see a little bit more of a defensive style, people who love to see offense, I am all in on the offense. <laughs> give me give me that Chiefs Rams Monday night football game. Give me the Super Bowl between New England and Philly. Like I want the points. I want all of the points. So to see that finally happen this year was just amazing. And I also wanted to uh one thing I wanted to dive into with the Wild was I feel like how did the defensive group play as a whole this year? Because I feel like for the most part, the, the defense has kind of been the, the same. And I wonder, you said that finally getting good goaltending really made a difference for this team. I always feel like the, the defensive group for the wild has been pretty solid. Was that similar once again this year? Were they overall good at solid as a group? Yes. Uh, it was, it was more of the same for this, uh, this wild defensive core and even more so this year, with the addition of Ian Cole, uh, a trade that a lot of people at the beginning of the year were like, wait, what? You traded a defenseman for a defenseman? But Cole was was solid, and they all just did the things that you don't see in the box score, like Jonas Brodeen breaking up a two-on-one by himself or Jared Spurgeon essentially gang-tackling somebody with the puck to prevent a breakaway chance. They just they have a knack for doing the things that need to be done that don't show up in the stat sheet that win you games and they I think were able to play more aggressive this year because they weren't having to help the goaltending so much they weren't having to play back so much because if we abandon if we abandon the zone and somebody gets a two-on-one, they're going to score on Dubnik. Like, that's just that's just the way it is. So I think they were able to play more aggressively, and you saw um, Jonas Brodeen had a, a career, I think it was a career tying nine goals this year. Um, it was either a career high or a career tying nine goals. So they were able to play more aggressively as defensemen, and uh, they were able to not have to carry so much of a load uh, in front of the goalie, which it just it helped out tremendously too. Now it also looks like got the old good old cap friendly up on my phone. Looks like it's going to be a pretty busy off season for the Wild. A lot of guys to resign. I mean, we got Nick Benino, Marcus Johansson, Kevin Fiala's an RFA needing a new deal. Same with Erickson Eck. There's that Kaprizov guy, uh, and then Ian Cole, who is a really solid addition to that back end as well. Out of those guys, like, what do you think Minnesota, are they trying to bring a, a good amount of those guys back, or what are the plans for this offseason, really? Well, it's been interesting because there's been a wide range of reports on all of them, it seems like. Kaprizov, obviously, that news that came out a couple weeks ago that talks had gone cold between him and uh, and the team, which sent wild Twitter into a little bit of a panic and rightfully so because I had to really dive into that news in order for me not to be um, breathing heavily but ultimately I think that deal will end up getting done because they they sacrificed a year of eligibility to get him here and he finally got here on his end so it's like you finally get to the NHL are you really going to go back to the KHL after (laughs) all that work I just I don't think so so It'll get done. It'll probably just be a little shorter than we had hoped for his initial contract, but 
just win and he'll stay. That's that's really as simple Absolutely. as it gets. So he'll be a huge priority. Kevin Fiala apparently um, could potentially be dealt. I really don't see what that gains you unless you are going to bring in a top-line center, and then in that case, maybe you dangle Matt Dumba to try to bring back some scoring, but you are basically swapping out a good tire on a car with hopes that you can get a tire that is slightly better and (laughs) maybe patch a flat tire that you have up front. Like, just leave the good tire where it is and worry about the flat. That's like... It's a great analogy. It's a great analogy. That's one of my favorite things to do is just try to relate through use of analogies. It's, it, it is absolutely the best. So Fiala will be back. Erickson Eck will be re-signed as well. Ian Cole is going to be the really tough one. Like any of those guys that are unrestricted free agents, it's going to come down to if they can find the money by probably having to trade Matt Dumba to free up that cap space or somebody else, Victor Rask. Um, It's going to be a lot of juggling from Bill Guerin this year, and I don't envy him the task, but he's got to do it because uh, it's it's about time that somebody in Minnesota won a championship, and we're uh, we're at 1991 since the last one and still counting. So somebody somebody has to break that soon. As good as the Kevin Fiala trade looks, the Victor Rask one might look just as bad. <sighs> yeah, I um, I don't acknowledge its presence um, because, I mean, like Nino would be just outrageous on this team right now. And yeah, that's it's tough, but hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you is kind of the similar thing you asked me. What's uh, What's it looking like for the Wild in the expansion draft? Is there anyone that's kind of circled, or uh, are they going to be one of those teams maybe that is trying to get a deal done to not leave things up for chance? What's it looking like for Minnesota in the next month when that Seattle expansion draft happens? I went tinfoil hat on the bit, and I was trying to will Zach Parisi to (laughs) Seattle, but the more I think about it, it's it, it depends. It depends really on what Seattle does cap wise with everybody else, because I feel like it's going to be a defenseman. They could opt to go with a better defenseman who costs more in Matt Dumba, or they could take a guy that is not as productive, but is solid in Carson Soucy. And he's going to cost you, I think, $2.75 million for the next three years. So very affordable, and he was a really solid third-line defenseman for this wild team that could probably be like a second-line defenseman for somebody else. We got to keep in mind that the wild have Ryan Suter, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, and Matt Dumba. You're not going to leapfrog those guys. So he could be a really solid second-line defenseman for somebody uh, for the Kraken in this case, or if they want to go with somebody that maybe offers a little more offensive upside, then they go with Dumba and they take on a little more cap space. But I feel like it honestly, truly is going to be one of those two guys unless Bill Guerin gets, you know, crazy and is able to convince the Kraken to take on like a Victor Rask with some, uh, with a prospect added or something. I'd rather not go that route because we tried that with Alex Took and uh, it didn't work. Oh, that bit you in the butt. Yeah, we've uh, we have not. I'm sorry to interrupt. Who'd you keep over Alex Tuck? So ironically, was it it Dunba? It was. 
it was some prospects in addition to Matt Dumba that they tried to make sure that Vegas wouldn't uh, pick from. And so we traded Alex Took. And uh, I mean, I get it, but that's tough. Tough enough. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, though. Just a, a massive swing and a miss. But that's that's kind of where I feel they'll go with the expansion. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Parisi be the one that goes. But if we're being realistic, I think it's going to be a defenseman. I've always been, I've always been told that in these situations, you de- you take from a position of strength for the team that you are are selecting from, and obviously the decor is ours. So I feel like it's going to be one of those two. Makes sense. Uh, actually, one more thing. I know we're rambling on here. <laughs> um, any updates about Marco Rossi? Because I know he had a really scary situation that he was dealing with this past season, and I just haven't heard much in the past couple months. So wanted wanted to know if there was anything that had come out lately. I know he had been doing better, but uh, what's the latest reports? Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for bringing that one up because I had meant to actually do one for the wild audience. He is uh, apparently skating now, missed the entirety of the season with, uh, with COVID and had some nasty complications from it to where anytime you as an athlete are tweeting out or telling reporters that you're just happy to be alive, like that's not, that's not good. And I think the complications mostly had to deal with his heart. Oh, and so I think now that has all been worked through enough to where he has been cleared to skate. The big question is going to be, does he get enough practice in to where he can join this wild squad next year? Or does he start the season with Iowa to get some games in and then get called up after that? Ultimately, I think he does end up with the wild at some point next year, but by all accounts, he's been cleared to skates and to uh, to resume getting ready for the season. And so, um, as a lot of people are saying with COVID-19, we'll just have to wait and see if there's anything that pops up that we didn't know about. Um, but we're, we're glad that he is uh, glad that he's doing better and glad that he is hopefully soon going to be a major player for this wild squad. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Great to hear that he's doing better and has been able to hit the ice because we're, we're just reading about that. I was like, oh, my gosh, this poor kid in the first round. And imagine having that whirlwind of a just complete 360. It's crazy. Yeah. And the the NHL injury situation doesn't make it any better because like Marcus Foligno broke his ankle during the season and we didn't know about it until after he came back. And he's like, yeah, I took a took a slap shot to the ankle and uh that's that's why I was out because all they said all they said was lower body. It's like, is that uh, is that a sprain? Is that a strain? What uh, what's going on here? <laughs> Such as hockey. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's why we cover it. So a plus crossover here today um, for listeners of both shows. Make sure you uh, follow Locked On Blackhawks and Locked On Wild wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, follow my guy Jack here on Twitter as well as myself. Uh, we got you covered. Uh, on two Central Division rivals that will be getting back to things uh, coming up next season. We'll be doing a lot more of this because, honestly, these two teams, we, uh, we'll talk a lot about uh, what they have going on. So, Jack, thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be back with plenty more coverage throughout the week here on Locked on Wild.